With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. USMCA, which is sometimes referred to as NAFTA 2.0, has several key points that differentiate it from its predecessor. Points the textile and apparel industries need to take note of before it comes up for a vote in Congress. It's just one more moving piece in the ongoing geopolitical changes, making international trade more challenging than ever. I'm Kalitha Crawford, publisher of Sourcing Journal, and joining me today to discuss how the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement could affect trilateral trade in the region is Suzanne Richer, director of the Trade Advisory Practice for E2 Open. Welcome, Suzanne. Good morning, and thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So let's get into it, because I know that um, given everything that's happening between the U.S. and China with trade, USMCA has gotten maybe a little less attention than it might have gotten. So maybe you can um, give us a brief uh, kind of overview of how NAFTA and USMCA are kind of different and what about it might be better for the apparel and footwear industries. Yeah, absolutely. And there are many different changes coming um, through this new USMCA. So I think it's a little bit more advanced than just a NAFTA 2.0. But I think it's important at this point in um, in the time frame to first recognize that Mexico has embraced this and already ratified this free trade agreement. Canada is anticipated to ratify it in early September. And hopefully that's going to be the nudge needed to confirm and completed in the United States in 2019. But overall, there appears to be a great deal of support for this agreement from multiple industries, including textile, apparel, and footwear. And some ways in which I believe the USMCA is going to be better for these industries includes new provisions that will look to increase North American production. Certainly, it's going to strengthen the customs enforcement, but it also means transparency in the process. And it should also facilitate increased cooperation on issues related to these industries as well. So I think these are all positives across the board uh, for textile apparel and certainly footwear. Okay. And rules of origin has been a hot topic, again, given everything that's happening with trade in general. What can we expect under USMCA in this regard? Well, it's always imperative that a company that's currently qualifying under NAFTA a look at and review the areas in which they're currently benefiting, and then, of course, look at and see what the expedited or the changing rules are going to be within those industries. So I think it's so far considered to be a fair and balanced trade agreement for these two areas, but I think you also have to focus in on certain provisions. For example, we're going to see greater impact on uh, made in the USA in terms of fibers, yarn, and fabrics. 
you're going to see some tightening of the rules, meaning when we qualify something under NAFTA, the same concepts will apply to the USMCA, such as tariff shift and regional value content. So we may see some tightening in the areas of qualification when using narrow elastic fabrics, for example, or sewing thread or pocket bag fabric. So I think some of these new chapter provisions are going to be stronger than in NAFTA. Uh, And again, you're going to look at incentives for increasing inputs or raw materials from North America overall. And as I understand it, uh, one of the potential drawbacks of the new agreement is the end of the Kissel Amendment, which was a NAFTA exception on qualifying certain products as quote-unquote American for government contracts. What is that going to look like under USMCA, and what do we need to understand about that? The concept of American or made in America is, is already complicated by many different pieces of legislation. We have made in America um, by America, by American. And the Kissel Amendment, which was passed in 2009, actually restricted what the Department of Homeland and Security could procure in the textile and apparel worlds, for example, such as uniforms or other textiles with certain exceptions. And so as we see the USMCA roll out, there are anticipated changes on how this will impact the Kissel Amendment. Uh, and one, I'm just going to pull it right out from the U.S. Industrial Fabrics Institute, which stated that this Kissel Amendment loophole closed what they call the Kissel Amendment uh, by American law for textiles that already applies to, to the Department of Homeland and Security. Uh, again, it's very similar to another piece of legislation called the Berry Amendment, which requires that textile products used by the military be manufactured with 100% U.S. content with very limited exceptions. So because of the technicality of all these different pieces of legislation, one should look closely, if they're currently utilizing the Kissel Amendment, you should look closely at the regulation overall, first and foremost, to confirm if you've been in compliance today, and then look at the anticipated changes and how that might further restrict uh, your ability to produce something a textile or apparel article that could be used by the government um, under these rules. Speaking specifically about um, how goods are classified in general, I know that, again, that's another big thing that companies are looking at as they're kind of looking at other places where they could source. What is What are going to be the penalties? What, what are the risks associated with misqualifying goods going forward? Well, this is a great question because we're already seeing uh, there's something very unique about NAFTA, and that is that any one of the three governments, the United States, Canada, or Mexico, can audit an exporter or producer in one of the other countries. This is the only free trade agreement that allows that. Any other free trade agreement between the United States and another country leaves the enforcement and jurisdiction solely in that single country. So we've seen an increase in NAFTA audits in the last two years uh, by, let's say, by Mexican customs of a U.S. exporter or Canadian customs of a U.S. exporter and or a producer. So it's anticipated that these types of enforcement activities will continue under the USMCA. Now, bringing that back to the concept of classification, there's sometimes 
misunderstanding about the word free, like free trade agreement, meaning everything's free if it just comes from that country. But there's a technical qualification process that has to be followed to ensure your product qualifies. So as I always like to say in our training programs and and to the industry in general, first you classify, then you qualify. So if your classification is incorrect at the beginning of the process, then most likely you'll, you'll read the wrong rule and you'll misqualify the product potentially. So making sure that your classification expertise is is there, is in place, so that the proper people are classifying the product, and then that leads to choosing the correct NAFTA or the future USMCA rule, and then you apply that rule and finish the qualification. So I think what we've seen in the audits is you can import or export under NAFTA or the future USMCA. Your product may may receive that preferential duty reduction, but two, three, or four years later, when you're audited by any one of the three governments and your classification process is incorrect, then your qualification will be incorrect, and then you'll have to repay the government the reduced duties that you enjoyed previously when the product first crossed the border. So is there a way for companies to take some of the work out of of classifying and making sure their goods are qualified? Well, certainly today, there are many tools available and looking at automation capabilities that help drive greater accuracy in classification is uh, is certainly warranted in today's economy. Uh, the use of technology to streamline processes, to remove, you know, uh, judgment calls by individuals who may not be well-trained in classification would certainly be supported by an investment in a technology solution. Uh, I'd always caution companies, though, it's, it's really important that and in, the ideal, in the ideal world, you should have key individuals who are authorized to classify and who have been well-trained in those rules because the rules are, the, the rules are, are global rules. The way we classify is not just a U.S. or Mexican or Canadian process. It's a global process, and the rules are one and the same in all countries. So having knowledge of that rule those rules and having that internal expertise matched with automation is certainly a best practice. So getting that expertise and getting that uh, technology in place is important. Is there anything else that companies should be doing ahead of USMCA potentially going into effect? Well, I think it's always important when you're thinking about the qualification process is to first analyze what the benefits are. For example, if you're exporting, you know, $5 million worth of product to Canada and that product qualifies, then it's worth going through the process. If you're exporting some low-value shipment and you don't have the internal resources or the technology to support the accuracy of the claim and the duty savings impact is extremely low, uh, it may be worthwhile for a company to say on this particular product line, uh, we don't qualify it because the benefits are so low and the risk is so high. So I think it's always good for companies to analyze these types of scenarios so that they properly take advantage of free trade agreements um, from a corporate perspective. That's a good point. 
Um, so last, I guess the question is, what else should companies be thinking about? Is there anything unique to the U.S.-Canada-Mexico relationship that impacts how the countries work together or any specific line items in USMCA that might be buried in there that we should be aware of? Well, again, I think, uh, well, first off, it's important to remember the relationship between these three countries. Uh, Mexico, of course, is, is already posted. We're the highest trade surplus country that they're involved with. In terms of the United States, it's, it's over 128, almost $129 billion. And that was as of 20, 2018. Uh, similar numbers, of course, are in place with Canada. So we are each other's greatest trading partners. And this trade agreement can only help to continue that relationship and, and help hopefully strengthen it. Uh, that perspective and knowing that, then looking at the particular rules, again, I think it's important to, uh, and companies can do this through the use of the customs ACE system, which is the customs computer system that captures all their details. So they could easily look at what they're qualifying today match that against the proposed USMCA rules and and certainly um, parlay that information into what are the next steps, how will this impact the company, where are we best served, uh, which product lines are best, uh, what suit us best in terms of qualifying it and then ensuring that they have enough information in their systems and their documentation and their backup to warrant that claim. And I said that would be the last question, but one more. Um, what kind of questions have you at E2 Open, which was formerly Amber Road, um, what kind of questions has the industry been posing to you in advance of this? You know, there's been, as I said, the USMCA hasn't made as many headlines maybe as some of the other trade things that are going on, but it's on everyone's radar. Are there certain things that the industry seems to be concerned about or anticipating? These uh, statistically and following some of our webinars that have provided survey feedback have indicated that they're starting to look at the impact. Uh, I would say there's still a, a fairly high percentage of companies that have not yet uh, looked at what the impact might be, and so certainly this is the time to do it. I think the second biggest question on everyone's mind is, when will this pass? So with Mexico having ratified it very strongly in June, anticipated Canadian ratification in September. Uh, will it pass in 2019? And certainly that is the hope. It'll be before Congress as it, as it continues to be. And hopefully with the other two countries move forward, as they move forward, we hope that the United States will too, because that's really the looming question. Uh, when can we anticipate it? And then when will it go into effect? Thank you, Suzanne. Um, with so much at stake and so much uncertainty, I'm sure we'll be having many more conversations on this topic as we move forward. It's a pleasure joining you and your group. Thank you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.